0: Welcome to the Fashion Law Network podcast series. My name is Kasia zabroska trabin I'm a patent attorney and fashion enthusiast based in Los Angeles, California. Join me as I break down legal cases, discuss recent fashion news, and demystify patent law. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season six, episode four of the Fashion Law Network podcast series. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season and wishing everyone a very happy new year. I had a nice relaxing time at home for Christmas this year. It was nice not to travel and just be home. Had my mom visit me from Canada for a few weeks and we did a lot of Polish cooking for the holidays as you guys know. I am originally from Poland, so we made Polish pierogi, which are kind of like dumplings stuffed with cabbage um, and mushrooms, and then we made what's called sernik, which is a traditional Polish cheesecake, so that was nice to keep our annual tradition, and one of the highlights of my holiday week was when we had a family orchestra outing here in L.A., to hear the Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra perform to the movie Home Alone. It's one of our favorite holiday movies, and it was really amazing to watch the movie on a huge screen in this beautiful concert hall while the original orchestra played to it. And it was really fun to get all dressed up to. I didn't realize how much original music there is in that movie until I saw it set to the orchestra. So to end 2023 on this podcast series, I decided to follow up on an episode to one of my most popular episodes to date. It was titled, Who's the Fairest of Them All? This was an episode from a few years ago, and it was all about the world's most successful luxury online platform at that time, Farfetch. Well, how times have changed because farfetch has been all over the news in the recent months for the completely opposite reason as it was a few years ago when i recorded the podcast they are definitely not the most successful platform anymore and they are allegedly struggling on the brink of an alleged bankruptcy according to bloomberg.com on December 21st 2003 there was an article on their main page with the title bustling city stores are hurting luxury middlemen fashion houses see shoppers flock to their websites and physical stores while third-party online platforms struggle so Farfetch of course is a third-party online platform so let's Talk about how things turned south so quickly for Farfetch, from being touted as the next empire e commerce luxury to this fall from grace. So, on this episode, I will first go over a brief background of the Farfetch company, the unique business model they embody, some interesting facts about the owner and founder, Jose Neves, and then I'll discuss the recent changes at the company and why their stock went from an all time high of $73 in 2021 to currently two cents today, and today is December 26, 2023. Wow. Then during the second half of the episode, I'll provide my discussion and legal analysis of a recent lawsuit that Farfetch is embroiled in, a class action fraud securities lawsuit, So this is a really interesting rise and fall of a company, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was a Netflix documentary made on this in the near future, but you heard it here first. Okay, so let's begin with our Farfetch story with some background information on the company. Farfetch is a UK-based luxury online platform, and it's relatively new. It was launched in 2008, And as described on their own website, farfetch.com, they state that Farfetch began as an e-commerce marketplace for luxury boutiques around the world. Today, the Farfetch marketplace connects customers in over 190 countries with items from more than 50 countries and nearly 1,300 of the world's best brands. So Farfetch was probably one of the first e-commerce luxury platforms that offered items from third-party sellers. Although, these are independent brands and boutiques, which of course is different than the typical third-party marketplace platform like an Amazon or Walmart, which of course caters to more individual and also very small sellers among the big box ones also, of course. Um, So the genius founder of Farfetch is Jose Neves. Mr. Neves is currently only 46 years old, and he's a billionaire. He's listed on the World's Richest People list. So he must have been only about 33 when he initially founded Farfetch. It was founded in 2007, launched in 2008. Now let's just go over a little bit of Mr. Neves' biography. He grew up in the city of Porto in Portugal, and Porto is actually the second largest city in Portugal and seems like a really picturesque coastal town in the northwest of Portugal, and it's known for its port wine industry. Mr. Neve's grandfather owned a shoe factory in the city of Porto, And according to compasslist.com, while Jose was getting his degree in economics from the University of Porto in the mid-90s, he started a software company called Gray Matter. And it's also been reported that he was actually a software engineer also. Furthermore, he then started another software company called Platform, which had an operating system for his fashion clients. Mr. Neves then moved to the UK, where he started a shoe company with a retail store in London. And then he opened a men's retail store in London in 2001. So obviously, he had plenty of fashion and retail experience before launching the Farfetch company. So once Farfetch was launched, the next kind of Big event here was in 2015, Farfetch bought the UK-based retailer Browns, which is an iconic fashion and luxury goods boutique. Now, interestingly, as described on the Farfetch website, in April of 2017, they unveiled what they call an augmented retail vision, and they launched the Farfetch Store of the Future, which is described as being a technology powered retail operating system. And the suite of technologies aims to improve retail productivity by capturing consumer data and then enhancing the interactions between consumers and sales associates, both in store when the consumer would interact with the retailer or the brand online. And then the website states that this allows for a really uniquely tailored offering to each brand or retailer in keeping their in-store and online strategy. A few months after that, it was reported that Farfetch announced a exclusive multi-year global innovation partnership with Chanel through which they worked together to develop a range of digital initiatives. In some other notable Farfetch news, in June of 2017, Chinese e-commerce company called JD.com Inc. bought a minority stake in Farfetch for $397 million. And then the really big news came in 2018 in the fall when Farfetch went public on the New York Stock Exchange. Now keep this in mind because it will be important later when I discuss the recent lawsuit that Farfetch is involved in. And then in some very recent Farfetch news, this has been all over, Women's Wear Daily, Market Watch, almost every major business news media outlet. So this particular uh, figure of numbers here was reported by MarketWatch.com just a few days ago. So today is November 14th, 2020. And they stated that shares of luxury e-commerce retailer Farfetch soared 12.4% in the Friday trading and were up another 3.3% on Monday after it was announced, now this is a huge announcement here, of their partnership with Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba Holding Group and Richemont, which includes an expansion in the Chinese market and a $600 million investment. Richemont owns some labels like Cartier, watchmaker Piaget, and fashion brand Chloe. Alibaba and Richemont will also each invest $250 million in a new joint venture, Farfetch China. Now this is obviously going to majorly increase Farfetch's reach outside of the U.S., Europe. Um, Obviously they see the Chinese market as being the future here. Daniel Zhang, who's the chief executive of Alibaba, which is the Chinese-based e-commerce giant, released a statement where he said, quote, the Chinese luxury market is expected to account for half of global luxury sales by 2025. Then, as reported in Alizila.com, Jose Neves issued a statement regarding this news, and he stated, quote, The new initiatives with Alibaba Group and Richemont extend Farfetch's strategy to power the digital transformation occurring across the luxury industry, which has been accelerated by the unprecedented changes resulting from the pandemic. The luxury new retail initiative will explore ways we can help the wider industry move forward and thrive in the post-COVID world. Also, meanwhile, Artemis, which according to the Artemis.com website is a investment research and technology firm which seeks to transform stock market volatility into opportunities for their clients. Now, Artemis is associated with Caring, which is the conglomerate which owns Gucci, Bottega Veneta, Saint Laurent, among a few other brands. So they are actually an investment vehicle that's tied to Gucci by the owner of caring of course and they announced that they would increase their stake in farfetch with a 50 million injection of cash in exchange for farfetch's class a ordinary shares now in terms of a personal farfetch anecdote i've had some limited experiences with farfetch all very positive i purchased a few designer items from the site over the years most recently just last month Although I do have to say at first, when I went on the site, I didn't really understand how the company worked, but then I kind of read up a little bit about it and saw that they source from these various boutiques and brands, and they kind of bring the customer to the to the boutique. All the items that I've purchased have been authentic, and the most recent purchase I made, a pair of boots, was a little interesting. I had to return the boots because they were too small. And then I purchased them in a larger size. So this part was interesting to me because the first pair I bought came from Brown's Fashion, which, as we know, is owned by Farfetch. They purchased Brown's Fashion in 2015. And the boots came with a receipt stating that that's where they were from. So I made an online order return, and I mailed the boots back in their original DHL box. And they were returned to the central Farfetch shipping office in the U.K., Then I went back on the Farfetch site and purchased the next size up of these boots. And now this larger size of boots came from a different store, a small boutique from Brussels, Belgium. And they were actually cheaper than the smaller size boots I got for some reason. The new boots from Belgium also arrived to me via DHL, free shipping and very quickly. So I was very pleased with my purchase. So after that little anecdote, I'm still very happy with those boots, by the way. That was a clip from my original episode. So of course, a lot has changed since I gave you guys that news about Farfetch back then. First of all, the Richemont deal that I was referring to during that last clip is no more. According to Reuters.com on December 18, 2023, Richemont scrapped the agreement to sell online retailer uxnet a to Farfetch Um, richmond of course owns cartier they said it scrapped an agreement to sell a part of the ynap not only that but farfetch is also allegedly going to be delisted from the new york stock exchange according to retaildive.com farfetch will be acquired by coupang in a 500 million dollar deal so that was just the recent news that came out about farfetch so coupang is essentially a Korean version of Amazon. It's the largest marketplace in South Korea. You may be wondering why would Kupang want to do this deal with Farfetch, considering everybody seems to be staying very far away from the company, um, and didn't seem like any of their US or European allies came to their rescue. They all just kind of stayed quiet. So this deal with Kupang now gives coupé greater access to the personal luxury goods space. There are extremely high luxury goods sales in that geographical sector. Also according to RetailDive.com, pursuant to the completion of the sale, farfetch announced that quote holders of its Class A and B ordinary shares and convertible notes will not recover any of their outstanding investments and that the company is also expected to be delisted from the New York Stock Exchange and to be liquidated. Now, businessoffashion.com had an article where they hinted that Farfetch is able to quote narrowly avoid bankruptcy after a slowing luxury market, merger and acquisition missteps, high cost of debt imperiled the platform's operations, risking ripple effects for partner boutiques and brands. So seems like most people were surprised that Farfetch got bought out by a Korean company Coupang versus like I said before some other more known European and North American company. So that may show us how perhaps in need of a quick save and cash Farfetch was. There's a lot of speculation about what happened in these few short years which led to Farfetch's demise. Of course number one reason is the same as I discussed in My last episode luxury slump where post pandemic now people are not really shopping online that much due to lots of factors like lower disposable income state of the economy the fact that people are going more to physical stores i know i am but another aspect to the farfetch downfall fall seems to be its major spending according to bloomberg.com farfetch allegedly spent 1 billion in cash since their listing on the new york stock exchange Now, in doing research on this topic, I came across various Reddit threads with people who invested in Farfetch and they're kind of just lamenting about how they lost so much money. Stocks are essentially worthless now, so of course this has affected so many people. So much so that there is in fact a class action lawsuit in the works. According to PR Newswire, there is a there's been a notification to shareholders of Farfetch Limited of a class action lawsuit and a lead plaintiff deadline set for December 19th, 2023. So, According to the complaint, it alleges that during the class period, which was in 2023, defendants issued meaning Farfetch, materially false and or misleading statements or failed to disclose that and then there's five, six items here. So item one, that Farfetch was experiencing a significant slowdown in growth in the US and China. Two, that Farfetch faced onboarding challenges impacting the launch of their Reebok partnership. Three, Farfetch downplayed challenges it faced with respect to and overstated its ability to manage its supply chain and inventory. All the foregoing was having a significant negative impact on Farfetch's revenue and gross merchandise and that Farfetch was unlikely to to meet market expectations for its second quarter 2003 financial results. And as a result, the company's public statements were allegedly materially false and misleading at all relevant times. So the deadline here is December 29, 2023 for shareholders to register for the class action. And just by way of some background class action lawsuit law, which I am not an expert in. So when they say that the deadline for a lead plaintiff is December 19, 2023, that a lead plaintiff in these cases is supposed to um, embody like the injuries and interests of the entire class. And they have some duties like their name is going to be listed as the plaintiff on the initial complaint. They have to provide uh, various evidence for discovery, and then they have to attend strategy sessions with the attorneys that are working on this case. And also, according to Investing.com, that question and period for this lawsuit spans from March 9th, 2023 to August 17th, 2023. And that is the time of when Farfetch was accused of obscuring those five items, or six items that I mentioned above. And then also, there were alleged misrepresentations that came to light following Farfetch's re- release of their second quarter financial results, also listed as one of those items. And in those results, according to investing.com, Farfetch reported revenues of $572 million, starkly allegedly missing market expectations, which had anticipated revenues closer to $650 million. Um, The subsequent market reaction was swift and severe. On Friday, August 18th, Farfetch's stock plummeted by more than 45%. And this was a huge decline, which of course represented a major loss for shareholder value and investors who acquired Farfetch securities within that timeframe that were affected by that stock decline may participate in the class action as a lead plaintiff so this lawsuit kind of shows us how volatile this landscape is of e-commerce e-commerce luxury third-party platforms this whole landscape is completely changed to where it was just a mere two years ago it's kind of fascinating for me to read all of these huge changes in such a short amount of time So I will definitely be keeping my eye on this and I will let you guys know what ends up happening. Hopefully in about seven to nine months, I will have an update for you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in as always and please listen to the next episode which will be coming in the new year. So happy new year to everyone and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Bye.